Alright, so tonight I want to welcome you to um, another time of our Bible study for those of you who are just joining us for the very first time today. It's a Bible study and we believe the Lord that He will reveal His mind to us again tonight as He's always done in Jesus' name. I want to continue by speaking on uh, what I started, uh, let me say that, what I said last week, times of the Gentile kingdoms. And uh, again, we continue to learn about the Gentiles and the Gentile kingdom because that's who we were before, we found, before Christ found us. And um, because he found us and brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light, he's also teaching us how to find others and to bring them out of darkness into the same marvelous light. So that we can rid the earth of unrighteousness and sin and crime, so that we can fast track the coming of Christ Jesus. Amen. And the Bible says, everyone that has this hope in them, purify themselves even as they spill. I remember saying that, I know that... Um, because of the economic troubles that we have found ourselves in the world, uh, the church world has gotten a lot distracted, including myself and yourself. But the truth of the matter is, there is only one kingdom of God, and his agenda is clear and unmistakable. And it is that through Christ, the Gentiles will come to know, God, to know the Father. Jesus clearly says, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father Except through me. So if Jesus is the road map, is the journey, because he said he's the way, which means the journey, he is the journey, he is in him we track our journey to the Father. It's important for us to learn about Jesus and also to know how to get other people to track on that journey with us. Amen. So that together, us and them, we can finish our journey on that well and we can hear the voice of the Master saying, Enter the joy of your Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. And this is the challenge that I bring again to you tonight as men and women in the faith who are going through uh, the journey. Widen your horizon and lift your eyes and see for that Jesus said the field is already white for harvest. Praise the name of Jesus. Alright, let me go back to last week. Last week we concluded some things that the church of Christ and his kingdom have been established in the times of the Gentile, na- or the Gentile nations of the Gentile kingdoms. We looked at the story of uh, Nebuchadnezzar who had a dream, and then in the dream, he saw uh, an image, image with a head of gold, a breast, chest of uh, silver, a uh, thigh of, um, of what? Of bronze, is that right? Leg of iron, and a feet of iron mixed with clay. And then we saw that in his vision, that Daniel interpreted to him, he saw a stone cut out, not with, but without human hand, which means that it wasn't something that was hewn by human idea. It was a divine initiative. And that is the church. So we saw the church in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, as the church emerged. He called it, the way God revealed it to him, to Nebuchadnezzar, the Gentile unbelieving king, was a rock. Now you and I know that Jesus is the rock of ages. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Is that correct? Alright, so God was showing this Gentile king what was going to happen and how the impact of the kingdom of Christ will grow and ultimately take over the earth. And so he saw this stone covered without human hand and the stone or the rock hit the feet of the, of the statue and broke the statue into pieces, into uncountable pieces. But instead of the rock getting lost, the scripture says, right in the midst of his dream, he saw that the rock was growing. In fact, the rock was not only growing, it was growing so rapidly and so strong that it became a mountain. Praise the name of Jesus. Is that, is that what we saw? Is that the vision God saw? Gosh, gosh this unbelieving king. 
And we began to see that clearly God is saying something. And the Bible now says it. One of the things we read says, All these things happened in the days of the Gentile kingdoms. Praise the Lord. And that's why we are looking at the Gentile kingdom. So we realize that the church of God will continue to grow. And the knowledge of Christ will continue to grow to fill the whole earth. We do not see it yet, but it shall happen in the name of Jesus. It has to happen because the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says, For the knowledge of the glory of God shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that is what we are going to see. That's what God has said. God does not lie. It's a prophetic word. It will come to pass. God is just looking for a generation. Now listen to this. God is just looking for a generation that will establish this prophecy. Because that's what God does. Every time God gives a word of prophecy to the prophets, either to Joel, God was always looking for a Peter who will say, this was that which Joel spoke about. So there has to be a generation that will establish the prophetic word that God has spoken. But clearly God has spoken to the prophet Habakkuk that as long as the air remains, the knowledge of the glory of God shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. And this will happen. And I'm, this, the stories I'm about to tell you okay, are practical stories. I'll teach you from the scriptures, yes. But I, I want to share some practical stories to you about, about, about what God is doing to establish this. Amen. And we realize that I wanna, one of the things we saw is that we are a kingdom of stones. Praise the name of Jesus. The church is a kingdom of stones. We are a kingdom of mountains. Hallelujah. That's why we've been teaching in some, some time back. We talked about the mountain of the Lord's house. In the book of Isaiah spoke about that. The book of Micah spoke about that. The mountain of the Lord's house being exalted above other mountains. So the church is a mountain. That's why God continues to teach us the word of faith. So that we don't look like chicken and we don't look like hopeless. We're not a, we are not a valley. The church is only a valley. The church is a mountain. And for those of you who have seen, at least even if you have not been to any, you must have seen one. Praise the name of Jesus. They are rocky, they are big, they are mighty, they tower over everywhere. From the mountain you can see everything. That's really what it is. From the church, God wants us to be able to see everything. The church is that powerful. The church is what? A mountain. Amen. And Bible describes you in the book of Peter as lively stones being fused together. So we are strong and we are rocky and we are powerful and we cannot be stopped. In in such a way that even when we move and we should move, because we are the mountain, we crush everything in our way. And we'll talk about that a little bit. How do we do that? How do we achieve that? So God was trying to show these are the things that will smite the kingdoms, the Gentile kingdoms at their feet and destroy them. But this kingdom will never be destroyed. If anything, this kingdom will grow. Now we say that because of this mandate of the Lord, we have been designed by God powerfully to break kingdoms. And that's one of the things I want to really establish tonight that as insignificant as you look and when we talk about the church of God we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to take territories and to do stuff, amen we're talking about the power of the miraculous because when we talk about the church many people say well is it, are we talking about the church in terms of gender or demography or economics or whatever, no we, the church existed in the mind of God from the beginning and the gate of hell cannot prevail against the church now the gate of hell will attack the church Okay, but the church will always prevail. Amen. So let me say, let me come back to you. The enemy will attack you, but you will prevail at last. Praise the name of Jesus. Because you are the church. Because you are the mountain of the lost house. Because you will overshine and outcome every and at last every power of darkness. Praise the name of Jesus. Just remain in Christ Jesus. Derive your strength from Him, and you will overcome at last. 
Because the gate of hell shall not prevail against the church. Jesus said that, Matthew 16, verse 18. I will build my church upon this rock of revelation. And again, that word rock comes up there. It's rock of revelation. So the way we talk about the rock, we're talking about revelation, rock of revelation. It says, I will be my rock, I'll be, I'll be my church upon this rock of revelation, and the gates of hell will not prevail again. That's why I said, I kept teaching about the church, that the key, two key principles or two anointings that you need to be able to overcome the attack of the enemy is, number one, the spirit of revelation, and then the spirit of wisdom. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's why in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, Paul was teaching us to pray this. That God will fill us with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened. So that we can know the hope to which we have been called. And the glorious inheritance that we have among the saints of God in the kingdom of life. So there is an inheritance that you have. Like all the other saints of God. In the kingdom of light. And as long as the kingdom of God is the kingdom of light. The darkness of the kingdom of hell can never overcome it. Praise the name of Jesus. I want, to over, I want to say it again. Regardless of whatever it is you are going through. You are light. You are mountain. You are strong. You are stone. You will outlast the enemy. Can I hear yes? I want to say it again. Regardless of what the enemy attacks you with. You are the church. You are made of stone. You are hewn from Christ. And you are more than conqueror because of Christ. Amen. And you will at last, and you will outlive your adversaries. Can I hear yes? And this is the way, this is the mentality which you should travel. The next time you get faced with a challenge, you will say things like, I know I am the rock. I know I am the mountain of the Lord's house. I know I am, I am big, I am strong. And through me, I will shatter the kingdoms of the world. I want you to please track with me what the Lord is about to say to us today. So in these last days, the mountain of the Lord's house, which is the believers, shall be exalted above other mountains. And that is the, that is the, that's the meat of what we are sharing today. How does that happen? How is that going to happen? Follow this. Number one, this will happen through God elevating us in the marketplace. And I want to really talk a little bit about that. There has to be a miracle that will occur or a crisis that will occur in the world that will provide you an opportunity to rise and to shine because your light has come and the glory of God is risen upon us. Amen. Every time you face a crisis or there is a crisis in the world, it might be a crisis of economic crisis or political crisis, do not sorrow in your hearts. Rather see that God is setting you up to reign and to be elevated. That is the story of Joseph. That is the story of Daniel. That is going to be your story. Amen. In the, in the, the pattern of God is that whenever there is a crisis in the world, or Noah, whenever there is a flood that will drown everybody, it is a time for Noah's manifestation. What Noah needs to do is to hear from God and to build according. To build his life, his work, his marriage, his relationship, his economic, according to the plan and the pattern of God. As long as Noah did that, when the flood comes, his heart will float. So we're not saying that there will not be a problem, okay, for the believers. What we are saying is for the believer who patterns his life after God's will and knows the heart of the Father, he will soar high. Alright, so let's go back to the story of Daniel. So, crisis occurred. The scripture told us in the book of Daniel chapter 2, the king had a dream. He couldn't remember the dream, neither could he remember the interpretation. He said, I was going to kill everybody. The moment Daniel provided the answer to the king's problem, the scripture says, in Daniel chapter 2, Lord towards the end, says God elevated him. Not only did God promote him, God also 
promoted his friends. So which basically means right now, the young man who came into Babylon, a slave, has now become the president. Now, that is what God will do through his church. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, God will do that. Only God can do that. Only in the kingdom of God can you see a man who slept as a slave wake up as a prince. Whether it was Joseph, whether it was Daniel. So let's, let's understand it. So God is going to elevate us. Number two, God is going to do supernatural manifestations of the gift of the Spirit. And I want to further reestablish one thing that God will do amazing things through your life. And I want you to look forward to it. I want you to look out for God. I want you to deepen yourself in the things of the Spirit. Because in the days to come, there will be some manifestation of gifts of, of the Spirit in your life. Gifts of healing. Gifts of working of miracles. Gifts of vision. Gifts of interpretation. Now, one of the things that happened to the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was he, he lost vision because a dream is a vision of the night. So, God was trying to give this man a vision, but the man lost the vision. So, he needed vision. And Daniel supplied that. God's going to be using some of you to provide roadmaps, to give initiatives, to craft ideas that kings will come to look into and buy and emulate and, and, and ask questions about. You have to position, position yourself for that. Hallelujah. Is somebody listening to what I'm saying? So that business that you are doing, that small business that you think is a small business, God can give you an idea, God can give you a mixture, God can give you a, 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 an anointing and a vision that the world will come and emulate. And that is what I want you to begin to expect God to do through you. Because God has to show off his church. God has to, Bible says in the book of Ephesians 3, it says through the manifold wisdom of God, God will show forth his church. So the wisdom of God will set us apart in the world as we go on. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what I want to say to somebody here. Never give up on yourself. Whether you went to school, whether you're uneducated, whether you're educated, never you give up on yourself. What you need is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of Jesus. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? Now, is it good to be educated? Yes, it's good to, to, to be educated. Is it good to go to school? Yes, it's good to go to school. But what stands us out in the world is not our money, education, or beauty. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that runs in our life. Because no amount of money can buy that. No education can answer for that. God has to manifest himself through you. Can I hear amen? Someone say, God has to manifest himself through me. And these are, these, are, these are the things that we are going into, that we have to begin to believe God for and, expi- and expect in the days to come. Manifestation of gifts of the Spirit. Praise the name of Jesus. Dreams. Gifts of words of wisdom. Words of knowledge. To have uncommon revelation of things. To be able to move angels to act on our behalf. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. So that God by His Spirit will subdue the kings of the earth through this. These are the things that God will use to subdue political systems, economic systems of the earth. Because right now, many nations are very powerful. But you will see from scripture how God has called us to take nations and territories. Amen. And I want to say to you, in the days we go on, and I say it prophetically by God's word, that all nations will be saved in one single day. Hallelujah. It won't be by our 
human effort. It will be by the turning on of the supernatural giftings of God in our life. So let me tell you these two stories. Number one, let me, there's a story that was told. Uh, I, I said, I mean, in 2011, all of you knew, heard about the Arab, Arabian Spring. Where problem began in Tunisia. So people began to revolt in Tunisia. Before we knew it, it spread to Algeria. Before we knew it, it spread to Morocco. Before we knew it, it spread to Libya. And Libya, in the days of Muammar Gaddafi, was a very, very strong man. And so because of this uh, revolt and protest, Muammar Gaddafi, who was the strong one of Africa, as a matter of fact, he was the one behind African, um, African Union and whatever. He, and, he, and he swore to himself, Gaddafi, Gaddafi had, his country had oil, so he had, he had money. He also was very forceful, so he had power. As a matter of fact, Muammar Gaddafi was so powerful that even America and uh, Europe and the rest of them were afraid to touch him. Because they know that if they touch him, he could scale into global war or whatever it is. Or, or the whole of America. Because he had all, you know, he didn't know, nobody knew what fire arms Muhammad Gaddafi had. So, one of the cities in um, Libya was uh, uh, a city called Benghazi. And uh, they had been very volatile and protested against, against Gaddafi. So Gaddafi made up his mind and, 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 and said to them, I give you three days, anybody who wants to leave, I give you three days to leave Benghazi. Because if you don't leave Benghazi, I will wipe everybody out. That's what he said. And when Gaddafi speaks, you know that Gaddafi doesn't joke. So he moved his, his, um, his uh, armory, he moved his army from, from Tripoli. They began to uh, uh, advance towards Benghazi. Now, a lot government intercepted it. They sent their, their air force and they intercepted it and then they, they, they bombed his, his, his own for his forces. And then the table, listen to this, the table turned against Muammar Gaddafi. Now you know the rest of the story. He ran for, for, for their life. He was caught like a chicken hiding inside a manhole. Now, this was a man who ruled Libya for 42 years. He had all the money. He had all the power. He had trained women who were strong army. Nobody could, could stand against. In fact, Libya was funding Islam in Africa. And he made up his mind that he was going to so fund Islam and push Islam beyond the equator. For those of you who are geogra- geography, that he was going to make sure that not only is Islam in North Africa, it was going to push Islam beyond, beyond uh, Tunisia, whatever, to push it beyond Mali, to push it beyond Cameroon, to push it until it reaches, until it touches the Atlantic. That, that was his intention. And he had power, he had age, he had money. He was going to do that. Now, that was a terror king. That was a king, a gentile king, and there was nothing anybody could do about it. But like that, like that, God took him out. What am I trying to say? And today, is history. That is a this just happened how many years ago? Seven years ago in our century. To let you understand that every time God talks, it has capacity to, to travel through generations and to be established. Praise the name of Jesus. So right now, there are people who are running churches in Benghazi, in Libya right now. Praise the name of Jesus. I mean, there's a particular couple that I was in a conference and they spoke about the, the, about the guy that um, he traveled all the way from Nigeria, a Nigerian guy, 
traveled all the way from Nigeria in the days when, um, when uh, uh, what's his name? Muhammad Gaddafi issued that decree that everybody should leave. Everyone left Benghazi. This guy refused to leave with himself, his wife, and his three kids. Praying. Because he couldn't afford to leave because he had, he had planted some churches. He had, he had believers who are having Bible study like you're having right now. Bible study every week. He said, no, I cannot leave. I'd rather die here. But he didn't die because God sent help. God stopped Muhammad Gaddafi. Muhammad Gaddafi got killed. That church is still growing. Praise the name of Jesus. Those churches in Benghazi are still growing. And that, that, that's to say to you that that is an example of God smashing the statue of the kings of the earth and instead his kingdom growing. Praise the name of Jesus. This is just seven years ago in Africa. Now let me give you another story. Story was told, again I had a story, I was told of a, of a couple, of, of a guy, a man, uh, two men, who uh, were Muslims. This happened in Sierra Leone. The first story I told you, I told you it was in Libya. It was happening in Sierra Leone. They have been converted from Islam. Two, two friends. And uh, one day, they were traveling because they were, they were, now, now they, are, they, are, they plant churches. They, they start churches. They plant churches among unbelievers, among uh, Muslims in Sierra Leone. There's a particular area where they had an opportunity to start a church. But that village has a, has a history of being very hostile to Christians. As a matter of fact, the history of that country sh- showed that that village, had some years back, some decades back, had killed six white missionaries. Because they were that hostile. They were that hostile. They, they are Muslims. They cannot stand the thought or the message of Christ. So they took this missionaries and kill them. They actually kill them and bury them and nothing happened. And life continued. So, these two guys were traveling to a couple of villages across that village and uh, one of them said, look, don't, don't let's do anything in this place. You know, you, know, you know they have a history of being hostile to the gospel. Let's go to other places to start the work, the, the, the church, plant the church and then maybe God will save them later if he wants. How many times do we think that some people are so arrogant and so hard and we can't even win them? God will save them if we want. If one of the reasons why we don't preach the gospel, is that correct? If God wants to save unbelievers, let him save them himself. I don't want to be involved. But you have to be involved. Hello people. Hello people. You are saved by God to be involved. You are mandated by God to be involved. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a witness unto all the nations. And then the end will come. So, I have no choice in this. I have I've signed up. Once I come into Christ and I give my life to Jesus, I am signing to be, an, to be enlisted in the army of the Lord to get the gospel preached. Now, whether I am not doing it, it's another thing. Whether I am not doing it, it's another thing. But when you give your life to Jesus, you are saved to save others. You are mandated to win the lost. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached through you. Praise God. Angels will not preach it. Hallelujah. There are people that will not be able to reach, but you will reach. There are people in your neighborhood, your friends, your siblings, people in your network of association that you can easily reach. So, if you're not reaching these Gentiles, if you're not reaching them for Jesus, you are doing a lot of the service to the kingdom of God. Because what you are doing is, you are allowing sin to increase, crime to increase, okay? 
Meanwhile, God planted you in that family for that reason. That's why if you're a believer born again, saved, the first thing you need to do is you need to get your, see your brothers, get your siblings, your uncles, your aunties, and preach to them. You hold them that. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? That's your good starting point. If, if anybody listening to me has not done that, you are a debtor. <laughs> if you haven't done that, if you've always come to church and get blessed and gone home, and uh, your uncle, your aunt, your mom, your dad, Muslim, Hindu, uh, atheist, they are not saved, and you have not mentioned Christ to them or tried to preach Jesus to them in any way, you are doing a negative service. And God's not happy about that. Because this gospel is meant to be preached by you. Someone say by me. Someone say by me. Alright, so I need to take responsibility on that. Alright, so let me go back to my story of these two Muslim guys who got saved. So while they were trying to travel, they were on bike. They were on motorbike. So while they were saying to themselves, look, that village, let's, just, that, let's leave them. They, have, they killed six missionaries, you know, you remember. They said, yeah, it was quite, quite long. Something happened to their bike. It stopped working. They checked the fuel. They saw they had a, they still had a full tank of fuel. They checked the plug. It was nothing. And these are poor guys. These are, these are guys who don't have money. These are guys who don't have shoes. These are guys who don't have support. These are guys who don't have a lot of education. But one thing they have, they have a burning zeal to get the gospel preached. They had a burning zeal to make sure that the name of Jesus is preached. And that's what they were going to do. They were, they were traveling to probably hold a crusade or preach to some people, whatever it is. Now, now they were stuck. They were stuck right in the midst of this village that is very old to the gospel. When they looked at the time, it was around 6.30. It was late. There's nobody in who can help them. So, while they were saying, God, please help us. We don't know how we're going to do. We are stuck here. They heard a cry from a distance. And the cry sounded like someone had just died. So, they said to themselves, well, look at there is a bat, there is a cry. You know, you know, villages are like that. So, they began to try to track the voice, the, the, the where the cry came from. And then they got to the village. Apparently, it was the same village that they were running away from. Guess what just died? The wife of the village chief had just died. And now everybody is mourning. And now they are prepared there to get her buried. And they have laid her, put her together. And people are now crying. I mean, because now they are not going to see her anymore. So one of them stepped out and said, Chief, sir, well, I don't know whether you mind if we just, before you bury this woman, can we just pray for her, if you don't mind, in the name of Jesus. Now, what has the chief got to lose? The wife is dead anyway, is that correct? I mean, so if you say to me, can I pray for your wife who is dead in the name of Jesus? The worst that can happen is she will be, she will be, she will be dead, she will, she, will, she will die more, is that correct? Is, is that right? So, I mean, the man had nothing to lose, so he said, okay. <laughs> I don't believe in your Jesus anyway. I mean, so pray for him. So one of these guys laid hands on the woman and began to command, command the life of God and began to pray. It took hours praying, 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 praying. Everybody was watching. Now the second guy who was with him said, now we are in trouble. You know, remember along the way, the French called it to six missionaries who preached in the name of Jesus. Now this guy has come to put us in trouble. These people should have been allowed to bury their dead. Why did we go and look for that trouble? Anyway, a couple of hours after, they began to feel some warmth. The woman was getting warm. Getting warm. She stood up and asked for a cup of water. So they gave her a cup of water. She drank. 
And they thought she was going to die back, but she did not. So, but by this time it was very, very late in the night. And the missionary said, alright, so let's go. As they were about to go, they pulled them back and said, go where? So that by the time you go, she will die again. You are going to stay with us. So they were forced to stay the night. So they stayed the night. In the morning, the woman was still alive. Well, so, they went to the king. He said, you could see, sir, this Jesus can work. So this is what we can do. Can we, if you don't mind, like you prayed for your wife and she came back to life. If you don't mind, can we pray for people who have problems in this village? Oh, the king said, why not? said, the only thing is this. I have gone too far in my religion. So, I may not be able to join you. But, I allow my dead wife that you raised back to life and my children to listen to you and believe in your gospel. As a matter of fact, I will give you a place in the city center, a village square, where you will meet people. So, they met people there and that's how the move of God began. By the time they knew what happened, about 76 people are giving their life to Jesus from this hardcore Muslim community who was always killing missionaries. In less than one year, they had planted and started 10 churches. And the gospel increased. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that the power of God can actually humiliate systems, kingdoms, and politics because that's a king, that's a political system. Daniel would never believe the gospel, he would never believe Jesus, except he saw the miracles and the signs that they performed by raising his dead wife back to life. What am I trying to say? I'm saying in these last days, God is going to use the hands of young men, young women, old men, old women, professionals, people who went to school, people like you. He's going to use you to do amazing miracles, supernatural interventions that will break the nations, that will break the kingdoms. Hallelujah. So that stone, that stone that Daniel saw, is God, a church that is rising in the earth. That God will use amazingly supernatural interventions to use to break systems and to break kingdoms. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here with me tonight? Are you still here with me tonight? So God, what I'm trying to say is that God is on the move. Amen. Now let's, let's put some scripture behind this because I've told you a story. Now let's gist around God's word. Daniel chapter 2. The book of Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 to 49. We read a little bit of this last week. Let's quickly see what, if there's anything. Bible says, again, in, in, the, in the time of those kings, and I told you already that, in the time of those kings, in the time of the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, Roman Empire, Grecian Empire, American Empire, British Empire, whatever empire there is today, today, there is today, Chinese Empire, America, China, China is rising. God is going to break China. I'm telling you, God is going to break that behemoth. If I know God very well, he broke Babylon. And um, Babylon is the head of gold. The strongest empire that ever, 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 ever was. China is fry. America is fry. God will break every system. God will break every kingdom. Is someone listening to what I'm saying this? Because that stone that is healed without human hands has that capacity to break the kingdoms of the earth. Amen. And to take over their place. That's why... Everywhere you go to today, you will see that the kind of the atmosphere over even in this country is changing. Yeah, yeah. What you're seeing, you may be saying, "Well, but honestly, I'm telling you, righteousness is growing in the earth. It's growing, growing in the earth. Yeah. Praise the name of Jesus. And uh, we will see 
the full manifestation of the glory of God in this last days in Jesus' name. So, the Bible says, in the time of those kings, Daniel 2.44, in the time of those kings, the, king, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. Can I hear amen? amen. But it will itself endure forever. Verse 45. And he's talking about the church. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. Verse 46, please. 46. Amen. Are you in 46? Or you're stuck? I need to always get my Bible in place so that's just in case. Verse 46. Thank you. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate. Listen to this. This is the head of gold. Hello, people. This is the what? The most powerful king of the most powerful kingdom in the earth. Falling prostrate before a slave boy of about 18 years old. Now that's what God, that's what the power of the kingdom will do. Because Daniel was a small boy who was taken from his fatherland into this as an exile. Now the king, the greatest king, the, in fact they used to call him, they called him the king of kings. I mean, I mean he was there. It says he, he prostrated before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. What does that mean? That means that from now onwards, this is the guy we must worship. Now, that is what God is beginning to do. Because it will manifest such spirit of wisdom through you, spirit of revelation through you in the marketplace. That's why, please, I want to urge you, for those of you who are Christ followers, indeed, stay true to the faith. Don't allow the temptation to, to sway you off. God has a work for you where you work. God has an assignment for you where you live. You are for signs and for wonder. Don't mess up this faith. Praise the name of Jesus. God has planted you in a place where you are strategically. Don't let sin pleasure for a moment. Don't let it quell the glory of God that God wants to do through you. Because God wants to show you forth. God wants to announce you. God wants the kings of this earth to feed from your hand. Bible says the king bowed before Daniel. Presented and back for, for the seven, please. Let's run. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods. How many for that powerful? And the Lord of the kings. And the revealer of mysteries. For you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king, listen to this. Then the king placed Daniel in a what? Come on, say with me. In a what? That's, that's elevation. That's what God will do. When the gift of the spirit that God has deposited in your spirit begins to manifest because you are walking with God and you are listening to the Father, men will begin to honor you. Men will begin to respect you. They'll begin to position you highly and lavish many gifts on you. They will make you ruler over the entire province of Babylon and they will place you in charge of all the superboys. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? I thought you, you are too quiet for me. Anybody see what, what I'm saying? Are you seeing this scripture? This is a classic of what God will do with any child of God that is willing to follow the Lord to the very end. God would manifest graces through you even when you're not expecting it. 
show forth his grace through you, even when you are not even thinking about it, elevate you before all men, give you honor before all men, so that you can be able to represent him. Look at verse 49. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are his three friends. How many people remember those three friends that went to pray with him? In the name of Jesus. So, when God is elevating you, God will be elevating your prayer partners too. Praise the name of Jesus. When God is elevating me, He will be elevating you too. Let's keep, let's keep our heart in the Lord and continue to follow Jesus. Because our time of elevation will soon be here. Amen. Because God will do amazing things. And it's not because you have prayed a lot. It's just because these are the last days. It's because these are the times of the Gentile kingdoms. And these are the days when God will break these kingdoms. Praise the name of Jesus. And He will use you. Come on, say, say He will use me. Come on, say He will use me. Praise the name of Jesus. And, and it's when you're not expecting. I told the story of how I was as a, as a tourist at CNN Center and how a child died and the mother was crying, the father was crying, and everybody was, was troubled. And while I was my bowler heart and my, my jeans, and I was, nobody knew I was a pastor, I was just walking past and I saw that child died and everybody was panicky, they didn't know what to do. They were calling 911. I don't know whether it was going to take them forever to come, but they didn't know what it was. And I went to the father of the child, said, What's the child's name? Mentioned the name of the child to me. Carried the boy in my hand, spoke life to him, and said, Come back to life. I spoke his name. I said, Come back to life in Jesus' name. And I gave the boy back to the father. The boy coughed out, came back to life. Everybody was happy. I took my bullet heart back and went and saw my movie. Praise the name of Jesus. I mean, I'm trying to say this. See, these are the days when it wasn't because, now it wasn't because I was praying or fasting. Amen. If anything on that trip, I didn't do any fasting. Praise the name of Jesus. I was eating all the burger. Hello, people. So even in the midst of whatever it is you're not expecting, God will switch on the anointing upon your life because that anointing is needed to bring life back to somebody and to announce the kingdom of God. And so I want you to, as you go in the utterance of your life, I want you to expect God to move through you. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? I want you to expect that God will comport your life. Get yourself ready for God. Amen. These are the last days. These are the days when God is elevating his church. Can I have praise the Lord? So God elevated these guys. And like I said, Bible says Daniel remained at the royal court. And so he could move systems. He could influence government and policies. Now, he was on the fringe. But now he's now in the royal court. Now he could move, he could inform, and he could advise the king. So that, that's like saying that now Daniel was the one ruling the whole of Babylon. So he became the ruler of the greatest empire in the world without contesting an election. Everybody listen to what I'm saying? So I tell people, I said, I tell, I tell, I told, I tell the church, I always say this. You see, if the church is trying to go and get ballot boxes and get election before they can rule the country well, not kidding. Manifest the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They will come and look for you. Oh yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. The kingdom of God is advancing and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. Anybody see that with me? Let's see some more scripture. Daniel 3. Daniel 3, 1 to 30. This is a bit lengthy. Let's go. Let's go. Daniel 3, 1 to, th- 1 to, 1 to 30. Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. Look at these guys like images. Is that correct? They like statues. Eh? So this guy made an image of gold. 90 feet high and 19 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura. In the province of Babylon, he then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he has set up. So he made an image and says, 
Let's come and celebrate him. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They stood before it. Then the error. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, all people, nations, men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, ziva, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Are you following this story? And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kind of music, all the peoples, all the nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and they denounced the Jews. Now this is a holy seed in the land. There's always going to be a holy seed in the midst of corruption. So this holy seed, the scripture says, they denounce them. Many times when people know that you are a believer, they look down on you. They, they denounce you. But guess what? They are going to worship at your feet one day. Amen. Because they are going to manifest the glory of God. Can I hear amen? The Bible says in verse 9, So they said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zitha, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kind of music, must fall down and worship. And the image of gold. And that Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They pay no attention to you. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, this is an opportunity for this guy to compromise. But this guy said, we are believers. We know Jesus. We know the son of our strength. Yeah, you have given us promotion. You have given us position. But, you see, we knew how we got here. We got here by grace. And we will not allow you to bring us into disgrace. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? Now, this, every time, okay, as you are a believer, as you traveling through age and traveling through time and traveling through life, you will be inundated with opportunity to compromise your faith. They will offer you money. They will offer you sex. They will offer you booze. They will offer you position. All in a bead. To get you to fall and worship a false god. You have to say to yourself, I am not going to bow my knees to this image, nor worship him. Now, when you make that decision, you better be ready. Because it's going to cost you. For they that will live the godly life in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. Now that's where God doesn't like. Me, I don't go suffer, I don't go beg God for bread. A lot of the principles we sing in song that we teach in sermons destroy our faith. Because when they stand, when you stand before the statue and they say worship it, you must not worship it. Even though everybody is worshiping it. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? Alright, so, so, well, wait, so let's go on in this story. Beautiful story. In verse 13. Furious with age, with, with rage, sorry. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to, the, to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kind of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. 
But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You can imagine how they're talking to the king. That's what the boldness of Christ will give to you. That's what the spirit of faith will do to you. To be able to look to any system that wants to compromise you and say this like they said this. They said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Who talks to a king like that? The next thing is your head will leave your head. Is that correct? Your head will leave your neck. Is that right? Eh? They'll put you in jail forever. They'll never see you again. So this is what happened. Then, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. Don't forget he put them in place. Yeah. So that's why now he's their enemy now. Because they have sold him clearly to his face. We don't care about you. And now the battle line is drawn. So he said to them, he ordered the, the furnace. You know what the furnace is? To be hot, to be, to be, to be what? To be heated. Seven times hotter than usual. Uh-uh. Excuse me, sir. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie the three guys together and throw them into the blazing furnace. So, these men, wearing their robes, trousers. Now, these are the, the, the three guys. Wearing their what? Robes. Trousers, turbans, and other clothes. How many people know that? Those are things that are very combustible. They will make you burn very quickly. Is that correct? <laughs> so, they were bound and thrown into the fairy furnace, into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who were trying to take them in. You can imagine that. How hot that is. They were just trying to push them in. Move. The fire took them. Now listen to what happened. And uh, so, verse, verse 22 says, The king's command was so urgent, and so the, flame were, the, the soldiers were killed who took them up there. And verse 23, And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, Guys, one day, three men that we tied up and threw into that fire, they replied, Ogasa, it's true. He said, Look, I said, I'm seeing double. I'm not seeing three guys, though. <laughs> I see four men walking around in the fire. Listen to this unbound and unharmed. How do you throw somebody in fire with his hand bound? And the ham and the and the and the rope is not burnt. That's what I, that's what I said. Not only are they doing that, the guys who are doing hide and seek in the fire. How many people also know? Suddenly they are running around and say, Oh yeah, Shadrach, where are you? I, I, I. But while they were doing hide and seek, the guy said they are not three guys. There is a fourth person, and this is what he said, this is how I described it. He says, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. So right in the midst of the fire of their life, Jesus, the author of the church, stepped in and doused the pressure of the fire. 
Now that's what he will do for the true church. That's what Jesus will do for you. If you will stand your ground, if you will not be afraid to talk against the power of darkness, if you will not allow stand to compromise you because you are too afraid, because you don't want to suffer, because the guy said to me, "Well, we don't want to die in a fire. We know our God is able to deliver us. We we'll pray for Him to deliver us, but just in case He does not deliver us, we're going to die. We'd rather die, we'd rather burn than bow." And this is a decision that you need to say to yourself. I would rather burn than bow to sin and bow to Satan. Because when you begin to bow to Satan, then you lose your head to build the church. You lose your fire to build the church. There will be no sign in your life anymore. And then people will disgrace you, humiliate you. You don't have that elevation that God... Because God designed for you to have elevation. You are the mountain of the Lord's house. You are designed to rule. You are designed... You see, the body of Christ, believers are designed by the Spirit of God to be above and not beneath. To be head and not tail. That's why we are... That's our default position. But Satan will always try to get you to sin, get you to compromise, get a little bit of sex, get a little bit of lying, a little bit of cheating, a little bit of disobeying the Holy Spirit and tell you it's okay. It's not okay. You have to make up your mind. I'm going with the Lord and I'm going to go with Jesus all the way. Praise the name of the Lord. Or right, let's, let's read this story because it's a very interesting story. Because there's a lesson there. I think we're in verse what? Help me here. We're what? Verse 26 now. Is that right? Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants, listen to this, servants of the Most High God. His tongue changed. That is a point of salvation for him. Because now he is confessing that these guys, I see that there is a manifestation of the glory of God. You are true servants of the Most High God. Now this is somebody who used to say to himself, I'm the most of all kings. Now he's acknowledging for the very first time that there is a God that rules over the affairs of men. Are you here with me? So in verse... Uh, so he said to them, come out, come here. Come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw, listen to this, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Hello people, can I hear amen? Nor was a hair of their head singed. I mean, had nothing touched it. They went into fire and came back intact. Listen to this. And their robes were not scorched. How many times have you tried to lit candle and it has touched your clothes and it has burned? How many, how many people? <laughs> listen, the Bible it says their robes were not scorched. And there was even no smell of fire on them. Uh-uh. They went back, they went into the fire with their cologne smelling nice. They came back it's very nice. Who does that? How many times have you passed by people selling uh, jollof rice? Eh? And your body is smelling like uh, you are the one who is cooking it. Now, these guys were thrown literally into the fire. But I would say when they came out, there was no trace. No trace. Now, that's what God will do to the church that is firm and standing firm and uncompromised. That's what God will do to you. So what am I trying to say to you? Don't allow the presence of the world, of the system of, the, of darkness to, to compromise you. Let me tell you, you are growing old. Get, get, get a man to impregnate you. Have a child. Linda KG is doing it. You can do it too. 
I'm telling you, that's what I think you're going to be hearing, you're going to be seeing. I mean, if you're a young lady, but you're 37, I mean, even though she says she, 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 she lies, she's at 42, and it's like that, she's afraid of menopause, that's why she went to go and get somebody to, whatever it is, we don't know their story. But what I'm trying to say is that all the like, like kids are trying to do that so that they can provide, and so that she's trying to use that to provide an image for single ladies who are in their 30s and 40s to say, well, if Linda Ikeji gets impregnated and she has child out of wedlock and nobody knows the father and they call it baby J and nobody's dying over it, why can't I do it? Do not do it. Because when you do it, you're selling yourself cheap. And that elevation that God has for you, you never achieve it. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? You stay with God. You stay with Jesus. You continue to follow him. Is it going to be tough? Yes, it will be. Will they throw you into fire? Yes, they will. But you will come out of the fire unburnt. Can I hear amen? We need to bring this means to a close. So, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God of Shadrach. Look at what this guy is saying now. One moment, he said to them, You don't worship me, I'll burn you alive. By the time the glory of God has shown him that God is bigger than men, that the kingdom of God can never be silenced. And that these three guys have epitomized the true kingdom. He changed his confession. You see, the world may say a lot of things right now. Honestly, trust me, they will soon change their confession. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep talking about this link. I think probably it's because the training thing. She used to brag to people and say, well, you know, if you're a young girl, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have a child out of wedlock. You know, you have to marry properly. I think she must have belonged to some church. You have to marry properly, and then you have to wait, and then the guy will put a ring in your hand, and then you will get married, and then you will have, begin to raise a family. And then, and then next thing we saw, every, every, everything, the commission changed. Well, I'm sorry for all I said before, about waiting for a man to put a ring in your hand. Who cares about any man these days anyway? If you find love anywhere, just go for it. That's, that's what he said. The next thing, nine, ten months after, it's not even, she has a baby. Everybody is saying, Woo, congratulations. That's what the world will do. The world has no standard. The world is so flaky. And that's why you must never put your affirmation in the mouth of the world. Nothing. Because the kings of the world that will say to you, Bow to me or I will burn you, will come back to say, Well, you are happily right. So I don't know about you, friend, but I made up my mind that whatever it takes, I'm going to be on the right side of God. I'm going to be keep doing what God has come to do. It may not be fancy. It may not have accolades for men. People may not appreciate it. But I'm going to stay on it. Praise the name of Jesus. Many people ask me, why do you teach like you teach on Wednesdays? Why don't you do this on Sunday? I say, I can't do it on Sunday. Because Sunday is a mixed crowd. Wednesday is a serious crowd. Anybody, be strategic, come to this meeting. You must be looking for something. Anybody, stop saying? You need to understand that. Okay? And that's why I teach this. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm investing my time into this. Because I recognize that, look, it may not be full of fancy or fact, but you need to know when God is saying something to his church, you have to broadcast it. And, I'm, and I believe it. It might just be one person that God has sent me to. I'm willing to do that. Now, that's not popular. Praise the name of Jesus. You're supposed to, talk, to speak to a hundred, to, to a stadium of people. Is that right? Yeah, that's how the world defines you. Speak to it. Bring this kind of word, Pastor Talks, to millions of people. Okay, if the Lord gives us room, we will. But if the Lord sends me, say to one person, probably this six year old, seven year old guy that wants to raise to be the, the next Billy Graham, who knows? 
and I'm like, she's passing, and he's passing by my church. And I'm saying, well, you know, how many people know that this boy is going to be in children's church on Sunday? He's never going to be able to access this revelation, this truth, this power, this impartation. <laughs> so, I can't do Sunday. I've got to do what God sent me to me today. It's my job for me for him. And we need, we need to live like that. We need to live obeying the Lord and hearing him. What you are doing, where you are doing, how you are doing may not be popular. Do not look for popularity. Anybody listen to what I'm saying? Are you listening? I'll say it again. One of the things that everybody's the problem is you want to trend on Instagram. You can't sleep because nobody is following you in the last three days. If anything, they are just following you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that shouldn't kill your joy. Amen. Look to Jesus, the author, and uh, finish out your faith. Stay with him. That's what these three guys did. They stayed with God. It was not popular. It was a crazy show they made, but they stayed with God. And you can see the reward of it. All nation got changed. Listen to let's let's keep, let's finish the story because I don't want to preempt this. So, verse 38. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who have sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied my command. Who talks like that? So he seems to say that if I, if I, if I say I thank God for this guy, they have more brain than myself. That when I issue that command, they decide to put their life in, my, in their own hand and not obey my command. This is the king talking. The king himself is even washing himself. Is that what you have? Wash, wash. Is that right? Is that wash? Is that, is that the new word that you put in? He's washing himself and saying, in fact, these boys have more sense than me, Seth. Because he says, he says, praise be the God of these guys who have not bowed down to me and were willing to give up their lives and they were willing to give up their lives. Did you see that? These guys were willing to leave. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The book of Revelation 11, 12. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they do not love their life unto death. And we need to rise up and be that church. We need to rise up and be that church that we're willing to sacrifice our very life for the faith. Because only then can we break that na- the nations. Can we break the kingdoms. Because what these guys were doing was by reason of their resolve to follow Jesus and to follow Christ to the end, they broke the king's resolve. The most powerful king in the world, his resolve was broken by the simple, tenacious faith of three 17-year-olds. These are young guys. Never been to anywhere. These were guys who didn't have money, they didn't have anything, but they had God, they had faith, and they knew that the God of Abraham is their God. And they was they would understand. Hey, I want to say to you, stay. In spite of whatever it is the enemy has said to you, stay true, stay faithful, stay committed to Jesus, follow him. You are the church. You are a mountain, you are a kingdom of mountains. You stay. You see, these nations, these kingdoms, they will fade away. But the kingdom of Jesus will remain forever. And you belong to that kingdom that can never be moved. See, when everything has gone, everything, and everything will go, everything will, I mean, I mean, everything will go away. Even in church circles. Everything will go away because as long as whatever, there was a time we were not using keyboard, we are not using, is that right, is that right? 
Then suddenly all of us are dancing, dancing to it. We all are using it now. God knows what we're going to be using next. Probably soundtrack. I don't know what we're going to be using. I don't know what's going to change. But the world will keep changing. The world will keep changing. Know that. But there's something that can never change. The kingdom of God. And you belong to that kingdom. Are you, are you listening to this? Are you, is somebody listening to this? You must never build your life on trend. Don't follow what is trending. Follow Jesus. Hello, people. And this is what the story is all about. So, the Bible says they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, listen to this now. That's where we are going. Therefore, this is the king now saying, I decree. And I said something that said, in one day, whole nations will be saved. It happened in Sierra Leone when that king made that decree and said, from now onward, you are going to serve the God of these two guys who raised my wife from the dead. You are going to give them an opportunity to be able to plant church. All of you, my wife, all my children, you have to attend that church and help them succeed in that church. Everybody in this village must belong to that church by force. You have no choice. You have to go to that church and fellowship in that church. I decree it. That's what that, that's what that, that's what that village, village chief did. He, he decreed because he had touched the power of God. Now that's what happens. How are we going to break this nation? How are we going to break the Gentile kingdoms? We will break the Gentile kingdoms by manifestation of the supernatural anointing. Oh yeah. That's why you have to believe for, you have to believe for the miraculous. You have to look out for the miraculous. You have to expect the miraculous. You have to know that miraculous will happen. Anybody see what I'm saying? You have to expect the miraculous. You have to believe God for the miraculous. You have to dream the miraculous. You have to have a vision of the miraculous. You have to know that your life is bigger than this and that God can do just about anything with your life at any time. Even when you're not even thinking about it. Because that's what he did for these guys. They were ready to die. But God said, not yet. I have the final say. They went to fire, came back alive, and they became government over the land. Because the Bible says, let's look at this, concluding it. Therefore, I decree, verse 29, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. How many people agree that? Now if you know that no other God can save in this way then you need to serve that God. Don't let anything deceive you. Serve that God to the very end. Amen. The Bible now says in verse, verse 30, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's second promotion. That's what he called double promotion. Chapter 2, he just promoted them. Is that correct? Chapter 3 again, promoted them again. That's what happened. Every time the system of the world touched your anointing, they don't have any language for it, but a reward. People want to be great. I tell you, if you want to be great, you really want to be great. Let God use you to solve a problem in somebody's life. You will be great. Instantly, they will elevate you. They will, they, will, they, will, they will give you the promotion, promotion whatever it is in it. Now, let's look at verse chapter 4. Let me read chapter 4. Verse 27. Maybe I need to... No, let me, let me, let me, let me leave this. Probably we'll continue this next week. I don't have that time right now. Amen. What am I trying to say? What I was saying is that it's our responsibility to the, to the, to the, to, as a church. And... Uh, <laughs> All other kingdoms will fade away. But the kingdom of God will outlast them all. I read the last scripture, Revelation 11 to 15. 
Revelation 11, verse 15. Revelation 11, 15. We'll continue this next week. Hallelujah. Revelation 11, verse 15. It says, The seven angels sounded his trumpet, and, and there were loud voice in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever. Come say forever. And ever. And ever. So I submit to you that do not listen to the lies of the world. That the church is reducing. The church is increasing. <laughs> so Father, we honor you tonight. I just want to bless you. Now talk to God about yourself and say, Father God Almighty, strengthen my resolve, strengthen my heart. Will you talk to God tonight? We hope you heard the voice of the Lord through the message that you just heard. For further inquiries about other helpful resources and counseling, please visit us at the Capstone Church Without Walls or call 080-2318-2030. You can email helpdesk at thecapstoneonline.com or simply visit us online at www.thecapstoneonline.com. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you indeed.